Hey, beautiful humans. It's time to stop sacrificing for everyone else and put you first. Are you feeling tired, stuck, or disconnected? Or maybe you're just looking to be the best version of you. I'm Mary Wong. And I'm Dr. Tanya Wild, and this is Embrace, Embrace You First, a podcast to help you thrive and not just survive. We are busy moms, successful entrepreneurs, and doctors in the field of natural medicine with over 40 years combined clinical experience. You're going to learn from our professional expertise and our juicy secrets that have helped thousands of men and women just like you. We are going to teach you practical and doable strategies on health, relationships, and career. So sit back, relax, and get ready to embrace you right now. Welcome back to another episode of Embrace You First. And today we have Michelle Picade, who is going to just knock you off your feet and inspire you. Uh, the Great India Quadrilateral Run is about Michelle Picade, who attempted and achieved the Guinness World Record for fastest time to travel the Indian Golden Quadrilateral on foot, female, by running 5,968 kilometers or 3,709 miles, covering 57 major cities in India and on the country's most valuable and largest highway project, the Golden Quadrilateral. Michelle Kikade ran for 194 days in 167 stages, covering a distance, get this, of 142 full marathons. She ran 35 kilometers every day on average. Wow. You have to be super mentally strong for that. And on episode number 32 with Amy Moore psychotherapist, we talk all about being mentally strong. And clearly, Michelle, you have mental strength. And we want to know all about that. So perhaps, Thank you for being here, Michelle. Yes. Thank you, Thank you so, so much, much Mary. Thank you so much, Tanya. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you. So we want to just uh, say in this moment of a pandemic that you are right now in India. And what's the time there? Uh, so we are, um, it's roughly going to be almost nine o'clock in the evening. Okay. So or nine o'clock thank at you. night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we really want to um, acknowledge you for making the effort to be here with us. And I just think that you're going to provide so much value for our listeners and viewers because gosh, as uh, uh, Dr. Tanya says, like, the amount of mental strength that is required to complete marathons every single day. Like that's pretty insane for how many consecutive days? 194 days. 194, right? Or 167 stages, right? Actually 167. uh, But uh, like when you do a Guinness record, uh, you know, your clock starts ticking from the day you start. Uh, so even if you take a rest day, that is counted among your, uh, you know, the entire. Uh, so basically, I ran 167 days and I uh, had a total of uh, 26 rest days. 26 rest wow. days. Wow. And of course, coming from this angle, it's like 26 rest days is nothing <laughs> <laughs> for 167 days of running. Okay, so just to back up a little, um, we heard about you from Len Stanmore and we did episodes 21 and 22 with him. So for those of you who haven't checked it out, 
totally check it out after this. And, you know, we called him the everyday hero. And really, Dr. Tan and I were saying, gosh, he's like the Wolverine. He's just like a machine. And he goes. And then we discover you who had ran the four deserts with him. So I'm like, holy crap, another hero. You're like the Wonder Woman. Like he, he's we got Wolverine and Wonder Woman going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like to- uh, you know, interrupt here and say, uh, Len has been like uh, a mentor for me. And um, I don't know, like, he's like my role model. I just like, uh, you know, I really look up to him and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really inspired by all, uh, you know, that he's achieved. And um, uh, in fact, uh, you know, during the four deserts, uh, I met him during the first, uh, you know, the first uh, run that I did was the Atacama Desert. That's where I was introduced to Len because uh, we were in the same tent. And um, subsequently, um, so, you know, after we uh, completed the Atacama Desert, uh, this was in 2011. And um, a couple of months down the line, uh, I get a mail from him saying, okay, uh, let's sign on to do the Gobi Desert. And I was, uh, Len, we've just finished the Atacama. So (laughs) do do we really need to do this right now? And he's like, yeah, but you're in your peak training. So so why wait? Like, you know, let's just sign on for it. And I was like, okay, if you think we can manage it, let's just go ahead and do it. And uh, uh, and, uh, similarly, uh, maybe another two months down the line in October, uh, he had me convinced to sign on for the Sahara Desert as well. So basically, we did three, uh, you know, desert marathons in 2011. I mean, literally with a gap of, uh, you know, maybe uh, two, two and a half months in between each event. So it was wow. like literally back to back three events on the go kind of thing. So it was That's so was crazy. How, how far is that? How, how long uh, are, were those runs for the uh, desert? So each, so each of the runs were a distance of uh, 250 kilometers. Uh, which was uh, divided into six stages. So each day uh, you would cover um, uh, probably the first day they would, you know, uh, you know, uh, take you in slow, like you'd probably do maybe a 30 kilometer. And uh, as the days uh, progressed, the distances would increase. And in fact, the last, uh, you know, the last stage would be the one where you'd be covering maybe a distance of, uh, you know, roughly between 80, 85 kilometers, uh, which would, you know, it would start in the morning and you would probably go through the night. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, and, and it would be called the long stage. So uh, those... I can't those, even imagine. Yeah. I, I cannot even imagine the, the actual... Uh, the temperature, the the environment that you're running in, like, you know, there's one thing about the distance, but then the actual conditions that you're running in, I cannot even imagine. And what is so cool about you is that you're literally the first female ultra marathoner to begin with, and then adding on to it other world records, right? So like hats off to you. And before we went on air, I, we asked you, do you consider yourself a runner? And we just want to hear you tell the world what you think of yourself as a runner. Actually, I'll be very honest that my entire, uh, you know, my running uh, happened by accident. I was not a born runner. Um, I didn't show any potential uh, to become a runner anytime during my, you know, um, 
during the age when you know normally people uh, you know get into uh, sporting activities like if you if i go back to my days back in school or through my uh, university time um i was a very active person but never a runner and uh, i actually started running post the age of 35 um i'm 52 right now and uh, all my uh, the records which i created uh, were post the age of 40 42 actually so between 42 and maybe 47 is where i had the bulk of my uh, means i completed the bulk of my run uh, a lot of my running happened during those um, years i should say yeah so That's amazing um, Yeah, so actually, um, I uh, took part in an event, uh, which again was something which um, I had no intention of actually pa- uh, participating in it. But uh, um, in India, we have uh, we just passed, uh, you know, last month. Uh, we we celebrate uh, our Republic Day on the twenty sixth of January, and uh, there was this uh, like I'm a member of a, a like the city where I stay, Pune. Uh, I'm a member of the club over here, and um, they just had a running event, uh, you know, on 26 January. And uh, I had a friend who kind of like, okay, come on, let's just participate, and you know, kind of thing. And I said, okay, let's give it a try. I mean, I've never really run and stuff like that, but why not? And um, surprise, surprise, I uh, among the women, I came first. And wow! Yeah, and uh, it so happened that. Uh, I mean, I actually even beat some of the so-called, um, you know, the uh, the good, uh, you know, where the the men were concerned. Like some of them who had a reputation of being good sportsmen, I actually uh, like managed to beat them also. Um, oh so my gosh, was, that's amazing! Yeah, so I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. So why not, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> take this a little further and see, you know, how far I could push myself. Uh, the distance was not that much. I think it might have been a ten k or something like that. Uh, so I mean, I I just got the taste for something that you know I I I felt that I I you know I could uh, you know go a little further uh, on that uh, path. And um, so uh, basically, Pune is the city where uh, uh, we have the oldest marathon was started in Pune. uh the city where i come from and every year in december the first week of december uh, we have the the pune international marathon uh so so like basically th- this event which i did was in january and the pune international marathon was in december of the same year and i just like one day i just told my husband okay i think i want to take part in this marathon and i want to see- So my husband was like, he said, like you ran a ten kilometer, and this is like the distance is way more than that. And uh, do you think you could handle it? So I was like, yeah, why not? Like I mean, I, I mean, I don't mind giving it a shot. And uh, so that's the start of my running journey. And um, so that was a half marathon, not a full marathon. It was a twenty-one kilometer. And then I mean, the thing just grew, and I was like, okay. Uh, from a 21 then i progressed to the full marathon the 42 and then from the 42 i was like okay let me go a step further and you know start the ultras um so what kind of time frame was that like you know from the 10k to the half marathon to the full marathon to ultra marathon like is it is, is that a year is that two years is that five years is that a couple of months 
no so my first uh, my first uh, half marathon which i did was uh, in maybe in 2004 and um, my first full marathon i did was in 2006 um oh, okay. and then my my first ultra marathon which i did was in 2010 so okay, yeah so, so maybe two yeah so that was the the progression or maybe two two years and then four years between the full marathon and the the ultra so Thank you for speaking to this. I mean, you consider yourself an average human and here you have accomplished a dream that most people could never um, make a reality and yet you do that. So, you know, we would love to hear about what made you want to be the first female in India to run the ultra marathon. Was it just a personal goal or was there a vision for something else for you? Oh, uh, okay. So, um basically uh yeah it was also uh, i i really set out to being the first uh, woman ultra marathoner from india um it was like uh, like i kind of like to uh, get out of my comfort zone and push the envelope with regards to uh, many aspects of my life uh, like i always like to uh, you know feel that i'm doing something different uh, you know i don't like to be typecast i don't like to continuously do the same uh, you know sort of stuff uh, for uh, for uh, you know uh, any length of time so i like to keep reinventing myself and i, I feel this was kind of a reinvention of myself and mm-hmm. um, so so the actual defining uh, factor for me was that um, uh, it's kind of sad because i i lost a very uh, like he's he was a family uh, member as well as a very close friend and um you know we were kind of sitting together at the club over a couple of drinks and uh, he he got up uh, to leave and go home and um he had a massive heart attack uh you know in the driveway and was i mean uh, though i mean people tried to resuscitate him and all he passed away at the age of i think 40 maybe 41 or so like that mm. and that was kind of a real wake up call for me because uh, when i uh, like you know when i started introspecting about life and you know the unexpectedness of things and um, you know that was kind of a very defining moment for me because i just thought to myself that uh, today i mean if i would if something like this would have happened to me if i was in the same position and i had to look back on my life what is it that i have done what is it that defines me that defines me as michelle like you know who am i and what is my identity uh and i think a lot of women in india struggle with that because uh you know right from the time we are children we are always uh, you know first of uh, first we are like you know we are this ex person's daughter and then after that we become uh, mr so and so's wife and after a couple of years we become this one's mother and i mean that's great i mean that's a stages of life which everyone goes through but then the question here was right i mean but what is it that is different about me what is it that some somebody can say that you know is my uh, you know value what is my identity in this whole thing and i just felt that i needed to create that identity for myself um mm-hmm. and this is the path that i chose 
and uh, I, I'm fortunate that along the way I had uh, you know wonderful support from my family. Um, otherwise, it would have been uh, virtually impossible, uh, you know, to you know choose this path that I took, and uh, you know was able to accomplish what I did. So that was. I don't know if it makes any sense, but yeah. No, it makes no. Totally I, I love great it. sense. Mm-hmm. I love that you were just trying to find your own identity. So um, it's like a, just a powerful statement, and um, I would love to know more on that. And even how did you find the balance? So you've had total family support, which is amazing. But how did you find the balance in kind of discovering yourself and then exercising to train? And were you working at the time? Give us a little scoop on that. Finding the balance. Yeah. So the so uh, basically, when I uh, you know got into my runs, uh, like I got married very early in life, and I had my children in quick succession. Uh, so basically, when I did start my running journey, my children were already at pretty much at an age where uh, you know I wasn't um, I didn't need to be that hands on with regards to them. Like they were pretty much. Uh, um, and they were quite independent and, uh, you know, handling a lot of things by themselves. Uh, so I really didn't uh, need to be there full time. So I, I could u- use that time uh, towards my training. And um, uh, besides that, like my husband and me, like my husband, basically he's um, a real estate developer, uh, but that's his profession. But uh, he's an avid, uh, uh, he loves films. And he produces and directs uh, regional uh, uh, regional movies, and uh, so that's his passion. That's something which he is very passionate about. And uh, so we kind of balanced it in the sense that when I would be training for an event or when I would be, uh, you know, doing something, he would be uh, managing the home front. And similarly, when he'd be uh, busy with the film or doing stuff which he really uh, felt passionate about. Uh, then I would take a back seat, and uh, you know, uh, so we kind of uh, had this thing uh, between us where we kind of, uh, uh, you know, balance the scale that way. So you know, at 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 any point of time, one one of us would be there uh, handling things back home, while the other one was exploring what they needed to do. So just to cut in for a moment, I'm I'm just now curious. When your kids were growing up, and you said you got married at a young age, did yes, you 20. work outside of the home? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So did you work yes. outside of the home, or were you a stay-at-home mom? Uh, no. So initially, when my Jesse, I got married at the age of 20. Uh, my son, um, I had my son when I was 21, uh, and my daughter two, year, uh, two and a half years later, uh, two years, nine months, actually. Um, so yeah, so my I think my... Um, I think by the age of 25, I like I already had two kids, and um, so at that time I was very much a stay-at-home mom. And um, I think then I did I did have a period where I was working in the corporate sector. Um, I don't know, like uh, you must have heard this company uh, called BFS Global, uh, which handles uh, you know the back office for all the uh, visas for various countries. I, I, I think okay. maybe having something in Toronto as well. Um, uh, so basically, um, I was working with them uh, for a couple of years, and I even did a stint uh, when they started, uh, when they first uh, branched out overseas, and they started their uh, for the Australian High Commission in Dubai. Uh, so I was um, so so that's again uh, part of um, 
when I said my husband was handling things uh, because at that time it was like I was climbing the corporate scene um, and I had okay. got an overseas posting so I was working in Dubai and he was basically uh, here in Pune uh, you know uh, handling the children and handling the home kind of thing so uh, yeah wow. so that was uh, so I did a period and um, um, but then I realized I'm not suited for uh, a desk job because I just love the outdoors too much. I I feel very uh, constricted in an office environment. And, uh, sure. I, I did it so, for a couple of years, but... Uh, uh, I, I so when you it. moved on, I'm just going to cut in just so that, because we want to get into the juiciness of everything, yeah, if you don't mind, right? <laughs> so, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the juicy bits is like, holy cow. You, so you were a mom and then you have this corporate job and then you left it all and did like this crazy amount of running. So what what's going on in your head in, when you're reinventing yourself? It's like, it, what was the purpose? What is the mission? Like, we would love to dig deep into that mindset of yours. I don't think it was anything which I really consciously thought about. Um, I th- I don't know what was like what what you say like uh, like the domino effect. Something starts happening, and uh, you know things just keep falling into uh, falling into place. So it was pretty similar in that front. Like I mean, uh, the ultra marathon again. As I said, um, I didn't consciously decide to run an ultra marathon. Uh, it was uh, like you know when when I was participating for a marathon uh, in the city of Mumbai, uh, you know in the holding area you find there's a lot of runners over there and you kind of uh, get uh, talking to people and stuff like that. And uh, there was a, a lady from Germany, uh, you know, standing next to me, and she had this massive backpack on her shoulders, and uh, you know I was really confused. I was like, why is she running a marathon with a backpack? You know, and uh, so I just, uh, you know, in conversation, I, you know, started asking her, like, what's what's the purpose? Like, you know, why are you doing this? And she's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, Mumbai, the, the, the climatic conditions. Um, I'm just doing this as a trial because I'm going to be running in the Sahara next month. And I'm just run, uh, doing this event, uh, you know, to, because Germany is uh, super cold. And I just want to acclimatize myself to the heat and, uh, you know, the conditions. So uh, I'm just doing this as a trial, as a practice. And uh, then she mentioned to me about the, uh, the Marathon de Saab, uh, which is, uh, again, a, a run through the Sahara Desert, but not from Egypt. It's through Morocco. Um, so that's one of the oldest ultramarathons uh, in the world, the Marathon de Saab. Um. Yeah. So, um, so it, it just sounded phenomenally. And then she explained to me this whole thing where you're going to be just out in the middle of nowhere and you have to carry all your, you know, essentially everything that you need to survive for those uh, six days while you're out at the desert. And the only provision that the race organizers give you is uh, water. And that is also ration. Wow. You just don't have, a, you know, a liberal supply of water. You just get a, a fixed amount, uh, you know, uh, depending on the stage that you're doing. Um, and I was just, uh, you know, absolutely flawed by the concept. And, uh, you know, then I just, when I came back home, I just went online and I started, uh, you know, searching for this particular event. And um, 
Okay, so this is a bit of a juicy um, a tidbit, I should say. So the, in 2010, the year that I ran the marathon de Saab, um, was the year where they were celebrating their 25th anniversary of their run, of the, this particular event. And there was this huge media coverage that Madonna was expected to run the event. Okay, and um, so, so and at that time, I think Madonna was uh, touching 52, um, and I was 42. <laughs> so I was like, okay, if Madonna can consider running an event like this, then why can't I? So I was like, okay, let me, of course, Madonna didn't run the event, but then it was Michelle signing on for the event, and, you know, going, uh, going across. Um, um, and in, in this particular case, I'd really say ignorance is bliss, uh, because it just sounds very romantic and glorified, oh, you're running in the desert, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, it's just this perception that you have that, you know, you know it's going to be this great experience. Um, and it was actually because uh, this particular event that I did, uh, it's basically, um, you know, it's uh, like Morocco was a French colony at some point uh, in history. And uh, so this event is basically organized by the uh, Ministry of Tourism of Morocco and uh, an organization from France. And uh, so there's this, it's this huge production, like there are over a thousand runners participating. So it's like this literal... Um, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we had uh, chartered uh, flights, you know, because all runners from all over the globe co uh, collect in Paris. And then from Paris, they have these chartered flights. So you have about three three or four plane loads of runners, uh, you know, wow. flying into a town called Wazazat, which is a desert. And then from there, they have these convoy of buses uh, with, you know, helicopters flying overhead, which kind of take you to the, you know, to the middle of the desert somewhere or the other. And that's the start point where, you know, then you start your, your, your run from there. And um, so the first day, I mean, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm and, you know, people are meeting and there's, you know, this whole thing happening and, you know, you're very excited about the whole stuff. And then, of course, people start um, talking about their experiences and, you know, what to expect and, you know, and, um, it's kind of unnerving because I mean I had never done something like this. So and I and I I mean I started hearing of people who had run, done uh, you know an Ironman and uh, you know this and that. And I was like, oh, I just run a 42k and like you know and you are planning to run 250 kilometers across a desert, like kind of. So Michelle, so Michelle, then like so, what was the hardest part about running across the desert for you? Were there the any moments that you said I'm gonna give up? But, uh, oh yeah, plenty of them, plenty of them. <laughs> In fact, uh, the first day itself, it was at the start line. Uh, they had the song, um, it's a very popular song called Highway to Hell. And uh, yeah. We know that, yes. So it's yeah. like that. It's like going, you're running, you're running down the highway to hell. Okay. <laughs> so they had that playing at the start point of day one. And I'm like, is that kind of an omen, am I, you know, is that what I'm supposed to expect, you know? And it kind of was. <laughs> it kind of was. Because, see, from, like, as I said, like, from India, I was one of the first, um, like, I am the first uh, female ultramarathoner. Um, in 2010, uh, even the concept of running a marathon was, uh, you know, 
there were like just a very handful of people who actually were into this whole run uh, you know uh, uh, you know the whole sport of running there were very very few people uh, you know actually uh, doing that and uh, so basically uh, for for the ultras i really didn't have the right equipment and uh, definitely for running in the desert when i reached i realized my equipment was uh, because like there was no way over here where i could purchase uh, stuff you know which i would actually require to run in the desert you know we needed gaiters we needed a whole lot of stuff you know we have we had a checklist uh, according to which we needed to get our supplies and a lot of the stuff that i picked up was wrong it was absolutely unsuited for those conditions oh, no. which i realized wow. once i was there yeah so it was a uh, like a horrible experience but as i said ignorance is bliss if i knew what i was getting into uh, uh, <laughs> i don't know probably i would so, have run but but how did you persevere then how did you not quit like what was it that had you keep going ego <laughs> ego <laughs> <laughs> okay i love that because, yeah because uh, see uh, like since i was the first person from india I just felt this right. whole pressure and burden on me that that I just did not have the luxury to fail. I said even if I have to like crawl across that finish line yeah. on my you know hands and knees I just need to do it. I I I just didn't allow myself to think that I was not going to do it. Because as I said it was just uh see first of all like as i said being the first person from india there was this uh, huge um, build up around me uh, with regards to media and uh, uh, so so you know that kind of put a lot of pressure on me like you know it was like you know you're going to look like a utter fool if you know within day one you just collapse and say okay i can't uh, you know progress anymore um right. so it worked uh, frankly it worked in a positive sense uh but but i remember at the finish line i had um, you know person from the media coming and asking me um you know so when do you plan to do uh, do this run again and you should have seen my reaction i was like do you think i am crazy would i ever <laughs> put myself apparently yes <laughs> yes 6 months down the line i was wow. signing up for my next event <laughs> That's insane. And was the second so, experience different? Like what was the difference? Did you find that like you know you knew what you're getting into? Uh so yes. Um so now um actually not really because see the kind of uh, like when I did the four deserts uh, the four deserts um like the Atacama is very different from the Gobi the Gobi is very different from the Sahara Sahara is very different from Antarctica. Um and um uh, you can never predict climatic conditions uh, like uh, like when you were in the gobi uh, like one would never assume that you would have uh, you know uh, non uh, torrential rain for a continuous 24 hours where visibility is like down to zero that you know even the race organizers needed to uh, shorten the course length uh, because obviously they didn't want uh, runners to be out in those conditions with every probability of you know somebody getting lost or you know some something going amiss and uh, so so when you're in the rain like you know the the temperatures were like i wouldn't say freezing but like really chill 
the chill factor was very very high and then the next day we were in the sand dunes where temperatures were over 52 degrees plus so that you know that just gives your body such a beating because you've not had the time to you know kind of acclimatize yourself to those extreme weather conditions you know so it's um, so you it's it's very very unpredictable there's no uh, you know recipe uh, you know that um, guarantees that you know you're going to make it across that finish line uh, in fact the first run that i did the marathon disab like uh, uh, like as as len might have mentioned to you like you have what they call the elite runners who always uh, secure uh, you know first second third ranking and then you have people like us who you know we, our, our sole goal is to make it across that finish line you know that's our goal like you know we we don't in, uh, we never um, visualize that we're going to be ranking uh, you know among the first uh, 10 top 10 or top 20 or whatever but that's why you are the hero in in our opinion it's like i mean well don't you think tanya like i mean Absolutely. just to persevere yeah. these kinds of craziness yeah. yeah not only is she covering huge miles but she's dealing with mother nature and yeah. i i i would love to just know what's going on in your mind if anything maybe you're just like in a state of being when you're doing the running but do you have things like sometimes going through your head like just how, how did you I would love to just project from your brain. How did you keep strong through that, through the weather, it's the different yeah, so, conditions? So a lot of I see. So like during the course of my runs, and especially uh, in moments when I was feeling particularly beat, and you know that uh, at the time when I'm drained and I felt okay, I'm not going to be able to handle things. Like in my uh, during the long stage of, um, in my first run in the Sahara Desert. Uh, so you you'd have uh, what you'd say cut off times like you would need to complete a stage in a particular amount of time you didn't have the luxury okay i i just like you know do it at my own pace and just make it across you needed to uh, keep your cut off times because if you didn't make the cut off you would be disqualified um so uh, like during the long stage we needed to reach a particular checkpoint uh, by 12 midnight and um i was horribly horribly lost and uh, you know we were given what they call an emergency flare that in case we were ever at any point uh, in distress uh, you know we could uh, release the flare and we would have people uh, coming in to you know uh, pull us out from whatever situation we found ourselves in uh, but the only flip side of that is the minute you uh, release the flare you were disqualified you could not continue the race um so i was in a catch 22 situation because uh i could see the time ticking uh, you know the time ticking away um i didn't know how far i was from the checkpoint and um and yet i was lost and i i was like okay either way either i'm if i release the flare i'm disqualified if i don't make the checkpoint i'm disqualified so it's like how do i weigh my options in this scenario like you know what is it that i need to do um but as i said like um, i've always been fortunate that at moments when i've just felt you know very um, swept under the whole thing i've had other runners who you know happened to pass by and something about them or something about that what they've spoken to me has kind of you know given me that uh, you know push that has kind of you know got me 
uh, through those moments. So in this particular case, I had like this uh, two two heads are better than one. So a runner happened to pass by, and I realized I was kind of pretty much circling in the same area. I was not really progressing forward. I I, I just kind of because there were these low scrub bushes, and I I just somehow couldn't um, you know find my way out of them, and I just felt that I was just rotating back and back and forth in the same space, kind of a thing. And then uh, this person came along, and we kind of, you know, uh, pulled in our uh, whatever, like what we thought we needed to do, and um, so that's kind of what helped me to, uh, you know, make the checkpoint and the cutoff uh, that was there at that particular stage. Thank you for joining us. Click subscribe, like, and share. Please comment and suggest topics you want us to cover. Until next time, ask yourself how you're going to embrace you first today. For more podcasts, check out EmbraceYouFirst.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.